what are we what are we talking about i don't know um, final fantasy sure let's talk about that no, no um, uh let's just finish it off yeah google no no we're not doing it we're not doing it <laughs> it's not happening I saw, I saw jules don't keep this in i but daniel hello and welcome to the android police podcast my name is daniel bader this week on the show it's a grab bag, folks. We're in the doldrums of February. It's pre-MWC. There's not a ton to talk about, so we're going to spend 48 minutes talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. <laughs> uh, if you just want to just want to skip to the end, we do have a, a grab bag of non-Final Fantasy VII Rebirth news. It'll total around a minute 58 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, enjoy. But yeah. until then... We should say Stick that minute fifty eight is is just us talking about the Elden Ring uh, DLC trailer. So like it's really spoilers, no tech Will. news. Spoilers. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to make them. I don't want them thinking we're going to talk about like a pixel leak or something. It's- no, God no. Why would we do that? <laughs> this is not an Android show anymore. All right, Will Saddleberg, how are you? I promise. <laughs> I promise we'll have a guest on at some point. We w- well next week we're gonna have it's gonna be me and and Barcelona and some mixture of of Manuel and James and Dom in some in some capacity. I don't at least at least one of those three, if not two, if not three of those three, if so not yes. three of those three. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's whoever's in the whoever seventy five and one hundred percent of the people attending MWC <laughs> exactly. will be there on the podcast. Exactly. In it'll various be, it'll be states of, uh, of 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 inebriation, I assume. We have the evenings planned out. Is all I'll say. They're they're planned. Mm-hmm. They're locked in. Cool. Yeah. No. It's it's. I'm doing good. I'm excited. I leave um tomorrow around this time tomorrow. I'll probably start heading to the airport. So uh, we're recording this on Thursday. So on, on Friday, I fly out uh, for Philly at like four thirty, and then Philly to to Barcelona. You're going through Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I never understand how like where connections are like how that that system is just so opaque to me. Agreed. Yeah. That I would love to learn the efficiencies involved in that centralization, you know? It's virtually the same times, like departure times, both from Buffalo and from my layover to get to Barcelona as last year. But last year I flew through JFK. But like I still land. I believe I landed at 9 a.m. last year and I'll land at 9 a.m. this year. So I don't like it's just I mean, I flew American last year. Same this year. Like it's just pick the one that fits, you know. So but yeah, it should be should be a good time. I already know Ben at nine to five will be on that same flight as me. So like two rows behind me. So oh, that's nice. Yeah, it'll be a good time. All right. So this week we're we're not talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, although we'd love to hear what you think. This is the best rated Final Fantasy game in like twenty five years or something. Yeah. So I'm excited. If anybody's playing it this weekend, enjoy it. Um. But we oh, will... no, no, no. It doesn't come out. Doesn't come out for a week. Oh, sorry. The reviews dropped this week. Reviews dropped this morning. Week. Got a week to go. Yeah. It comes oh, out like God. right as I get back from Spain. Okay. So. There are a few things to mention this week. Uh, one is that, and, and this is not super surprising, the Pixel 6's overheating problems now have a class action lawsuit around them. Yeah. The Nexus uh, 6P was like just a 
dumpster fire <laughs> of a product in 2015. Yeah. And it has now been surpassed, I think, by the first generation redesigned Pixel with the the, the, the first Tensor based Pixel. Which is Pixel kind 6. of funny because they look a little alike. They look exactly yeah. the same if you actually <laughs> yeah. put them side by side. Yes, it's true. Not exactly, obviously, but no, but they've similar. got the same, like, the, they've got that camera bar look. Like, you know, you can yeah. see it in the Nexus 6P. We don't know too much about this yet, but suffice it to say, it does lend some credence to the fact that as Google has really just struggled to iterate on its Pixel lineup, obviously the Pixel 6 was a blank slate to some extent. New design, new chip, new strategy, etc. We've lavished praise on the Pixel 7 series and the Pixel 8 series, but even then, you yourself have written that it's hard to actually recommend these products for many reasons, quality assurance in the forefront. The fact that there's a pending class action lawsuit against Google, one of many for the Pixel lineup is is not surprising. So I don't think this has been accepted yet. It's been filed in the California court system, but has not been accepted, if I'm not mistaken. So. We'll have to wait and see. But I mean, Google this week has had to backtrack on a couple of things. Apple has had to pay over 500 million euros to settle a lawsuit against it or a fine levied against it by the European Union around allowing users to find cheaper alternatives. This was something that Spotify filed against Apple back in 2019, I think. Uh, in the EU courts, the judge awarded a 500 million euro fine, comes to around $540 million. So, you know, big tech's being, it's its having a rough year a little bit, but uh, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, I, 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 real quick on this Pixel 6 overheating thing. So, so kind of hilariously, the main plaintiff, her complaint is basically that she just kept replacing her pixel 6 pro being like oh there's something wrong with this one it keeps overheating and like eventually realized they all overheat <laughs> which yeah. i don't know it's just very it's just very funny and they did and 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 to a certain extent all of the tensor phones do certainly the first two generations of tensor i think i think g3 is manages it a little better um but i, I i'm curious kind of related daniel if you've ever seen this uh support page that i just shared with you in our in our meet chat um because i found it this week and i don't know if i've ever seen it but it's kind of hilarious uh it's a it's a pixel phone support page that titled help keep your pixel phone from feeling too warm or hot Uh, and it basically walks you through all of the things that can make your pixel phone warm which includes recording videos uh using your phone (laughs) you setting up your phone restoring your phone connecting not just tethering using your phone to to you know as a wi-fi hotspot for your laptop but also connecting to a wi-fi hotspot which i think is Mm -hmm. is is funny anyway the list is essentially every single thing you could do with your phone that isn't like responding to a text message i'm sure apple or samsung has similar support pages that i've not seen but there is something very funny about you should try to keep your phone from getting too hot by not recording with the camera or or playing media back or uh using it says use features or apps that use a lot of resources while you charge your phone you know obviously google is aware that this is a problem um it's just a matter of whether 
when and whether they can fix it and whether it just it literally comes down to like samsung's foundries are bad and we've heard that the sensor g5 might switch to uh tsmc tsmc tm T- yes tsmc i always mix up the s and the m and i'm terrified i got that wrong tsmc i got it right you got I it i should have trusted myself the uh, switch to tsmc which obviously manufactures the last couple snapdragon generations and and those run i would say pretty pretty cool i would say uh cool under most pressure so i would be curious how that would change things yeah i mean i give it a few years until google just eats it and goes back to qualcomm honestly oh, you think so I don't know. I mean, at this point, unless they can really improve the architecture, yeah, or they start approaching it like they have with smartwatches, which is that they have a coprocessor yeah. that offloads a whole bunch of proprietary compute, yeah. and then they just have a baseline, slightly more efficient ARM Cortex-X4 type big little setup. I don't know. It's interesting. It's just, it's interesting. It's uh, not going to get any better anytime well, soon. That's to sure. pivot a little bit from this, we saw Pixel Fold 2 renders this week that look a lot like the leaked unit we saw a couple of weeks ago, which isn't a huge surprise. still has this weird camera module on the back, etc. It looks more like a OnePlus Open than a Pixel Fold. I would say the big thing in this is, is um, leaked dimensions that have it significantly thinner than last year's model it would measure in at um 10.454 millimeters when folded right which is down from 11 points or no excuse me it's down from 12 point something 11.7 millimeters was the oneplus open which feels pretty svelte by north american standards but 10.54 would put it like not quite at honor standards but certainly closer it sounds great on paper my concern is that like (laughs) More than any other Tensor G2 phone, and they all got warm, but, like, the original Pixel Fold, like, because it was so thin, the piece that had the processor in it was so thin, you know, six millimeters, basically, like, you could really feel that thing get warm, even more so than other Tensor-powered phones, and I'm, I'm like, even if this launches with G4 and not G3, and G4, you know, might make a leap forward in this front, we don't know, I'm really concerned that you will basically, like, this thing will radiate heat when you're watching a YouTube video, basically. I'm all for thin foldables, but I think maybe if they're going to be this thin, I want them powered by a chip that can stay cool under most circumstances. You know, I, gaming, 4K video recording, that's fine. But that was one of my biggest complaints about the Pixel Fold was that, like, that thing just cannot stay cool browsing the web or on social media or, like, things that should not cause the back of the phone to heat up and... If it's going to be an even thinner chassis, that sounds good on paper, but man, I don't know. Like it might be very noticeable how warm Tensor G3 or G4 can get depending on when it launches. Yeah. So let's talk about this a little bit. The um, renders that we saw for the Pixel Fold 2 clearly show that the EVT version was correct. It's like a dead match, basically. Yeah. And these, these look pretty convincing as far as renders that we've seen before yeah and i don't know i'm i'm into it i i do think that this is going to be a much better product yeah i just think a lot of the criticism came down to the underwhelming software experience but also the fact that the inner display was just awful like it was so 
gross and plasticky and yep. reflective that the reason you buy this thing is for that inner display. Yeah. Using it in any sort of sunny, relatively well-lit area is just like a straight-up bad experience. So, I don't know. Do you still have yours, by the way? I do. It's in a box. I don't use it. That's funny. Yeah, the the only time that that screen looked good was in the dark. Like, genuinely. Like, even a lit living room at night, you would still see glare that kind of drove me insane. Certainly more glare than anything Samsung's put out in the last couple years, and it like infinitely more clear than the OnePlus Open, which has an anti-glare finish on the inner display that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, that was basically my takeaway was like, I can forgive some of the stuff about this phone about I can forgive its weight to a certain extent. I could even be convinced to forgive how warm it got. But like the display is why you're buying it. And it wasn't a good display. That's why you're paying $1,800 and it wasn't good. You know, I like the OnePlus Open a lot. It's my favorite foldable of last year, or at least certainly my favorite, you know, book style foldable. I'm not necessarily unhappy to see them kind of chasing that design uh, trend as much as I think that Google should have maybe tried to iterate on their Moleskin style aspect ratio. I think that they had a unique take on it and to drop it after one generation is a bit of a bummer. But really, yeah, like what they have to do is fix that inner display and get Tensor under control and reduce the weight if they can. You know, the hinge looks identical to what's on the OnePlus Open in addition to the front screen. Like, hopefully they are doing the same thing that OnePlus did and, like, drilling holes into the inner hinge to reduce the weight because that first-gen Pixel Fold was 283 grams and it was just too heavy. That's too much. It's too much. It's 30 grams heavier than Samsung's Z Fold 5. It was 40 grams roughly heavier than the Open. Like, it's, it's hefty. And those are not, like, super light phones either, but you would use it in one hand like you'd use the outer screen because the inner screen is so bad basically and you could feel your hand getting tired just holding it so i mean that that goes back to something else that i saw this week which is the asus zenfone 11 yeah is going to be bigger and like that's basically that's it for small flagships yeah the Verge had a really good headline. Uh, one of the last smallish Android phones looks like it's going the way of the iPhone Mini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. I mean, that wasn't even that small of a phone. It was like five point nine inches. But yeah, I don't know. Every time I pick up a big phone, I'm like, this is not worth it. I want to be able to swipe with one hand. This is not even a small phone but... either. But I, I'm trying to decide what what devices to take to Barcelona with me. And like, I have been using the Pixel Eight Pro as a daily driver for a couple of weeks now. And I'm like looking over at my regular Pixel 8 and being like, do I actually just want to take that? Maybe I do just want to take the small one and not the big one. I'm probably going to take the big one, but I, I'm getting so tired of having like three giant phablets in my pockets at all times or in my bag. Like, it, you know, that's a problem with this job more than like actual, you know, I have a friend who just upgraded from an iPhone 11 to the iPhone 15 plus the bigger basic non-pro model and and like he's thrilled with it he's like oh like the screen is so much bigger like I really like that but like as someone who has to like bounce between big phone to big phone I'm like you know maybe I just want like something that I don't notice in my pocket anymore I think that's where I'm at yeah yeah I I don't know I mean problem is that you you need a big phone for a tele lens and yeah that's for now pixel 9 might have the telephoto it's what we saw in the leaks we'll see that would be nice yeah but small phones don't sell 
No, also, Android phones don't sell as we're <laughs> as we're learning. Let's talk about that. One. Oh God, we're doing really good on the segues today. I think we're nailing these. Um, that's why I'm drawing attention to them. Yeah, I wrote a report this morning as we're recording about this week's Counterpoint publication on the top ten best-selling smartphones globally, and Apple always leads. At least, like I dug through not just 2023, which is this report, but 2022 and 2021 as well, just to compare the three. And Apple always dominates these. They had eight of the top 10 spots last year and seven of the top 10 spots the year before that in 2021. The big difference this year is that nothing broke their chain, right? So usually like a Samsung, it's always Apple and Samsung. Usually a Samsung phone bleeds into like the fourth or fifth spot to like break up the iPhone list. This year it was like one through seven are iPhones of various numbers. And then 8, 9, and 10 is the A14 5G, the AO4E, and the A14 4G. The latter of those two are not sold in North America. Those are for, like, developing nations or, or you know, they're, they're super low-cost phones. You know, the A14 4G is a cheaper version of the one that launches here that supports 5G. Those are the Android phones that are selling. It's just, like, ultra-low-cost. You know, when the A14 5G is the most premium in the top 10 for Android, it's a problem. Well, what we used to say is it's okay because Samsung outsold Apple and Android outsold Apple cumulatively, right? Yeah. And that there was a semblance that in spite of Apple's individual phone success, the fact that they only make four, six, eight, ten 10 models now, which you know back in the day, they didn't sell a million models, but now they sell far more, was counteracted by the fact that a lot of android manufacturers had healthy businesses at smaller volumes right and samsung was the obvious leader but we had lg htc for a minute like htc depending on how far back you want to go yeah yeah i mean look we we had a bunch of competition a lot of them lg in particular i think was a big blow because in some ways they kept samsung in check a little bit they forced samsung to just be a better, more innovative company in Korea. 100%. Yeah, you can basically trace when Samsung stops, like, I don't want to say innovating, but when they stop making any major changes to their phones to LG dropping out almost three years ago. That's when Samsung launches the S21 series, right? LG drops out, like, two months after that, and then we're basically still using, like, slightly more powerful S21s. The design has not really changed. The feature set, even has not really changed you know they, they can shout all they want about galaxy ai which is they announced this week is coming to the s23 series anyway so it, you don't even need the newest ones to get that sorry they had already said that they announced it's coming in, in march but you know th- there are only three currently sold iphone models that basically these three galaxy devices beat out right it's the 14 plus the 15 plus and the almost two years old iphone se and I genuinely think that if Apple had launched in the fall, like last fall, uh, an updated iPhone SE, right? Like a fourth gen iPhone SE, it would probably have knocked out one of those three Galaxy phones. Yeah, it's not surprising. I think what's also really interesting, if you look at just the US, Apple is now even more dominant than it was in 2022. So according to CounterPoint, which also pulled together the results that you're talking about, 
In the US in Q4 2023, Apple captured 63% of the market or 64% of the market compared to 57% in Q4 2022. Now, obviously, it vacillates between the quarters because Samsung's releases are in Q1 and Q3, and Apple's are in Q4 usually, or at the, the tail end of Q3, but they realize most of that sales uh, or that market share increase in Q4. And it's not a shock, right? Like Samsung is the loser here. There are others that are also losing slightly, Google, Motorola, but in general, it's Samsung taking the hit. And whether or not you could point to a decline in interest in like Samsung's devices themselves, or if you look at changes at the carrier level or whatever, I just think it's really obvious that Android smartphones are struggling to make an impact in the mainstream these days. And you can put, I mean, Google's Super Bowl ad for the Pixel was beautiful, right? It was affecting and it was touch, it was, it was a really good ad. And Google puts out really good ads for its Pixel phones, but it's not translating into sales, not really anyway. I'm looking at the chart you're, you're talking about and, and the fact that their market shipments have has dropped since, you know, it was 5% in Q4 2022 and it was 2% in Q4 2023. And that's on the back of putting out the Pixel 8 series as their best smartphones in, in years. Like By I, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. By so a huge like, margin. Plus it, the fact that they have better A series devices than ever yeah. and they have a foldable, right? So they have yeah. the full spectrum of devices available at all pricing. Same with Samsung, right? Samsung has the $200 phones all the way up to the $2,000 phones. It's not making a big difference. There's really only one way to read this chart now that I'm looking at it. Apple is hovering, you know, 57% Q4, but then hovering around 52, 55, 53% throughout 2023. And then suddenly it jumped to 64%. That's the USB-C holdouts, clearly. (laughs) That's it. It's everyone like, ho- ho- waiting for USB-C. They're like, that's bonfire that 10%. Bonfire of the lightning cables. Per- they're like, 7% of Samsung fans were like, I just want USB-C. I don't care what the device is. It's just got to run USB-C. Oh my God. It's true. I mean, that's like, everybody waits for that one reason to upgrade. Previously, it was the, it was, it was the iPhone 6 and 6 Pro or 6 Plus sizing difference. Then it was the iPhone 10. And now it's the iPhone 15. That's that's true. It might have been the 10R, really. I feel like the 10 was just too expensive for some people. But the 10, I remember the 10R was I saw it like everywhere because it was their first like low end of that model, not yeah. low end, but like affordable of that model. And that thing lasted forever. I mean, the 10R and and the 11 were ubiquitous. Yeah, they still are. You'll still see a lot of 11s. That's what my friend who got a 15 plus this week upgraded from. He upgraded from an 11, like. I don't know. I I wrote in my report, the word on Apple's foldable progress is that they pause development on a foldable iPhone and that their their first foldable product probably won't be an iPhone. And I think there's inroads there. I do think, especially the clamshell design, I think is attractive to people. Not everyone, but I think some people. um, It's really up to Google to do this, but if they can market when Apple does launch RCS support, probably in the fall, if they can basically launch a massive ad campaign telling people that their green bubbles are good now. I don't know. I could see 
some Apple people jumping ship to try something fresh. But again, the, the issue is that, you know, Samsung doesn't really have anything fresh. They're not being pushed to develop anything that looks or feels revolutionary. And what is the selling point there outside of the Z Flip 5? Like what is really pushing people to abandon what they already know with Apple? It's ambivalence. It's it's apathy. It's people just don't care about their phones as products anymore because they're just they're just utilities that do things and all phones do everything pretty well. Yeah. There's another chart that or another story that just came out today about how US smartphone sales fell 10% year over year again in January. So yeah. they're now 50% of what they were in 2017, right? So that cycle, that refl- that replacement cycle is just not there. And then when they are replacing phones, a lot of Android users are deciding to just bite the bullet and go yeah. with an iPhone. Yeah. So I don't know if RCS is going to make a difference, to be honest. Uh, I'm grasping at straws, admittedly. But my, my point is more that, like, there are windows of opportunity here for for premium Android experiences to kind of climb their way back up that chart. It's a matter of Google and Samsung and other companies in this space, but primarily those two really taking advantage of it. And I, I don't expect them to, to be honest with you. But if I worked for marketing at Google, I would be... I would hope we had any money left over from our get the message campaign to actually put into convincing people that green bubbles are good now. That's all. Oh man. Well, this has been a bummer optimistic and hopeful (laughs) podcast where we talk about the beauty of Android. I mean, the, the funny part of this is that like a lot of what's happening to Android as a product, right? What Google's doing. And I, I want to be clear. I mean, if you've been listening to us whine for the last 30 minutes about like the state of hardware on Android. You know, we love you, we appreciate you. We mm-hmm. say it because we want this market to be more competitive. On the software side, Android has never been better. You can pick up any phone from any company and it is a very good experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this because I, I have seen people be like, wow, they're so negative on the podcast. So let me phrase it this way Having watched Apple's EU forced moves in terms of opening up the app store over the last month like oh just that cynical mean-spirited <laughs> attempt to comply with the eu's dma if yeah. i was an apple user especially like in the u.s where none of this is going to affect you anyway and like it doesn't sound like you're going to get a particularly good experience in the eu but you're you're not getting any new experience right like fortnite is not coming back to the iphone in the u.s right like i would be and granted i am a person who is now employed and has been employed for almost three years at an Android site, they've spent the last like month really making themselves look like dicks, to be honest with you. Like, and I, I say that as someone who is mostly ambivalent towards like, I don't have particularly negative feelings towards Apple, this company or the iPhone. Like I have given it like a relatively positive review in the past. They don't come off as looking good. <laughs> like it's not just that you want like, total control over my phone but when a government agency steps in and is like you have too much control they kind of throw a tantrum about it even as they implement the changes they're being forced to they're like it's like they've been told to clean their room by their mom and they're responding by like they're making the bed but they're like throwing the pillows around as they do it you know what i mean and they're like really mad about it it comes off really childish to me. And I, I, as a user, I would like not feel good about that. Yeah, I agree. 
I, I don't I don't think the experience of using an iPhone is better no. in any meaningful way than using an Android phone, except for some apps. Like the more platform ambivalent I feel, yeah, the more it still frustrates me that iOS is the primary distribution platform for yeah. really cool indie apps. Yeah. You know? As I try to like get my productivity up in some ways as I try to like journal and use a proper to-do app and take proper notes and like just keep my brain working across all of the different focal points of my life, family, friends, work, you know, hobbies, whatever. Yeah. It always strikes me that iOS is the primary way that these indie developers make money. I spoke about this on a previous episode when I talked about my interview with Sam Bright. Yeah. And how he believes that there's no impediment to developers building for Android from a tools perspective, right? You can build the same quality of app. Whether or not that's true, I'm not a developer. I talked to developers, some of whom said they still believe that the Play Store is not the best way to distribute apps of the same quality. The tools aren't there yet. Other developers say that building in Xcode is a nightmare and they hate building iOS apps, but they do it because the code itself is easier to compile and C++, I don't know. I'm not a developer. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I have heard both sides that they dislike parts of it and like other parts of it. The business realities of iOS are still meaningfully better than Android, and that's sad. That really is sad. Yeah, I, I you know, but the way they're handling devs in the EU, I feel like is probably particular. I mean, honestly, like, if anything, They've certainly spent the year pissing off devs, right? Like, I, I feel like their moves in both the U.S. and the EU to kind of handle government complaints about how much money they're taking from developers or, or anything like that, or how they're opening the App Store or allowing other App Stores from, for example, Epic. I think they're, I think Epic's the only one that's, like, officially announced a, that they're, they're going to make an App Store for the iPhone in Europe but because they can afford it. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean it's the whole thing they've wanted, you know, and I'm sure they're going to do a whole thing about how you can only play Fortnite in the in Europe and the US government should try to do the same thing that Europe did, which they'll never ever ever do. But um what you said is correct. I think it's just it's as someone who bounces back and forth, right? Like part of the reason that I'm happy I reviewed the iPhone and have experience with an iPhone is because it's like knowing what iOS does well and doesn't do well and why it's attracting people and why it's keeping people locked in is like crucial to writing about android phones at this point because that is such a reality of like you walk into a carrier store and you're probably just going to buy an iphone these days and why like what is it about the iphone that is drawing people in like that and i do think to a certain extent like not even just the fact that some people have been on the app store for a decade and a half and have an app library built up but also just the fact that like you're probably going to find better app experiences as you said like discovery on either platform is not good but it is better on ios app discovery and and i think that also plays a role but yeah it's a space where google really needs to step up and i have not seen that progress uh, over the last i mean it's just gotten worse to be honest yeah I got a call from a local news station yesterday yeah. to talk about Apple's updated support document that said the iPhone 15 series now allows oh, the batteries. 1,000 charges 
uh, yeah. at an 80% capacity. Like this is news for yes. people. They know like local news thinks it's important for people that have a new iPhone to know that their phones will theoretically last twice as long on the yeah. same battery. Yeah. It's wild to me. The last time that happened was when Samsung's batteries were blowing up in airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a completely different scale. Yeah. And then yesterday I felt really stupid because I didn't buy Nvidia shares when they were $40 cuz now they're $620 or something. Yeah, well, like, are, are I would we all? I would not be in this business if I knew when to buy shares. But uh, that's a whole different discussion. My current congressman who is stepping down soon i believe mm -hmm. it's not dude what's his name george santos no 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 no. george santos is 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 in the city uh he's he's gone they, they've already replaced they've re-elected someone to replace no i know him. i'm just i'm just joking. um okay I, I don't know how closely you follow american i mean you you kind of uh, have politics. to follow george santos to, to be True. honest with you when when that by-election happened the other night i got like 16 notifications about the Democrat who beat him, like not just about the win, but like what it means for Biden's strategy. Like they were leaning real. This is election year news notifications are just something else, you know, like every everything that they could possibly notify you about. They will notify you about to, in order to get you into their app. You know, the gamification of news is going to go into a a different stratosphere in the next few months. A hundred percent. Um, sorry. I, uh, no, my current Congressman is Brian Higgins. Uh, I, he actually, I'm seeing just left office. He left at the beginning of the month, but he like went viral on Twitter because his like stock portfolio is up 239% in 2023. And it was the next person was 122%. There was a chart going viral on Twitter at the beginning of the year. I'm sure in great faith but uh so like obviously it, like his his bar is like double the length of of everyone else's right and from what i can understand it's just because he had a bunch of nvidia shares from like eight years ago or something <laughs> like yeah, that was like where the finding out that you from. owned a bitcoin <laughs> yeah like 2012 exactly. yeah he just he just had the nvidia stock and it just like triggered you know 250 percent growth yeah god i wish i had nvidia stock that would have been great oh man i could have paid for well whatever anyway um yeah that's that's apple i don't even remember how we got here but that battery this stuff podcast is, is brought to you by nvidia who can absolutely <laughs> afford to buy an ad spot on this on this podcast all right um what are we what are we talking about i don't know um, man. final fantasy sure let's talk about that no, no um, uh all right a couple more things uh before we end there's a new super flagships uh photography phone in china it probably won't come to any other markets but it's the xiaomi 14 ultra it has a one inch sensor and a lot of ai processing so what's really interesting about this is last year xiaomi released the 13 pro and then the xiaomi 13 ultra ben sin over at xda slash ben sin's youtube channel he did a bunch of tests the Ultra actually was a worse shooter in some respects than the 13 Pro, just different camera setup, a different processing. I had the Xiaomi 13 Pro. It was the one that was released in Europe, so it did have play services, and it was it was kind of a cleaner software experience. 
I used it for a while as a daily driver. I loved, loved the photos that that thing produced. The, the macro mode on it was like chef's kiss good. The 13 Ultra I did get eventually, and it was okay, but not even close to the same camera experience. Despite the actual fundamentals being slightly better, it just didn't hold up in execution. I can't speak to the Xiaomi 14 or the 14 Pro or the 14 Ultra. I don't have those yet. But what Xiaomi is saying is like, this is a wider aperture lens, a better one-inch sensor, and it's got all of these AI models that are helping produce cleaner, sharper, better photos at further zoom lengths. I am extremely interested in trying this out. I like the way Xiaomi photos look in general. I think that they're very, very sharp. I also do have a Oppo Find X7 Ultra, but I I don't know. There's something about this year's phone that just doesn't... I, I don't love the photos that it's producing. So I'm trying to get one. I don't think I will because they're being a little bit... They're not sending them to as many Western journalists or creators this year. I'm not really sure why. Maybe they'll start giving them out at um, at MWC. But anyway, this is, a, I, I think, interesting because last year was the, the year where obviously all these phones use computational photography to improve their photos. But like 2023 was the last year that you could buy a phone that didn't have AI plastered all over yeah. its camera experience. Yeah. And with Samsung doing it, you know that it's going to come to every other Android phone. Eventually, Apple is going to get in on it and like, AI is just going to be this thing that is supposed to, quote, improve your photos and video. I'm not sure, given the fact that like the Pixel 8 Pro has AI in it, and like I don't think it has made a big deal or made a big difference. I don't know about you, but I don't hear about people using all the AI features very much. No, and I, I think in general, a lot of this, I mean... I- it's easy to say this, I guess, but like I do think that companies like OpenAI have perhaps overhyped their products a bit, and that does come down to Google and Samsung on the mobile side as well. These are companies trying to raise their stock prices and make investors happy, and yeah. So like the only person that I can think of who has really talked to me about using, I have, I have a couple people in my life. Like the last person was like my mom was like, yeah, I tried like. Chad GPT gave me a bunch of recipes. It was it was nice, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." But like, for the most part, I think when it comes to the camera, for as much noise as we all generated about what is a photo anymore, photos are fake now. Last fall specifically, like I think a lot of it came down to like people really still just want to take photos of the world around them, and it's one thing if it's doing stuff in the background, but the actionable stuff, right? The I'm gonna erase you out of the background i'm gonna move you over here i'm gonna change your face like all of that stuff i think for the most part kind of just fades away after a couple weeks of owning the phone and you're just really taking you know photos yeah yeah i mean all the hype around the fujifilm x106 this week shows that exact thing right this is the most rigid of point and shoot type cameras right the rangefinder style you know, it's a fixed lens. You have to buy an expensive adapter to make it wider or, or you know, increase the focal length. Like, this is what people want ultimately. They just want a photo that looks great. I think that as AI becomes more pervasive and it's easier to make edits that you had nothing to do with or that yeah. you didn't actually have to try 
you know, it's just a prompt, we will see a grounding of photography in like the organic and the analog and the real again. Although I don't think it'll ever go back to like putting a filter on an Instagram photo in circa 2011. Right. But like it will, I think there will be people who are like, I just, I just want nothing to do with any technology around my photo. I just want it to look to be processed well as a JPEG or, or whatever. And just let me, let me handle it myself. Yeah. I, you know, uh, the, the stuff that is being handled, I guess, by or, or what Google and Samsung would, would tell you is being handled by AI in the background is, is the stuff they were calling computational photography a couple of years ago. And so it's like that stuff was already there. It will continue to be there. But yeah, I think I think at a certain point, people want to manually change uh, what their photos look like and not so much just rely on like hitting a couple of buttons and hoping it all turns out well. One day, one day we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's end on a low note. Uh, let's talk about Wise. <laughs> so, Wise oh, had a, had an outage. Wise, the smart home slash camera company, yeah. famous for its lack of security fundamentals. Like, just has no idea what encryption is at all. Uh, if you want to see a feed of my house, just go to wisecom Vader. <laughs> you can see it. It's live. You know, it is what it is. So yeah. this week. Wise had an outage, and then when it went up, when it came back, apparently there were live camera feeds that were being sent to some users of other people's cameras. As event notifications. It wasn't even just like if you opened the app, but it was like you got pinged of an event notification of of a house that wasn't yours. So 13,000 people received notifications of other people's homes. Just bananas. Uh, Just 15, like fifteen hundred people interacted with the alerts. Okay, so. fifteen hundred of the thirteen. That's still so that, that's a lot of people. <laughs> like that's a lot of that's fifteen hundred people who essentially got spied on. Right, like that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's bad, man. Like most of those were yeah. probably not particularly invasive, but it doesn't no. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's bad. I'm I'm just like I'm I'm. I'm, I'm that this keeps happening and that people just keep buying shitty cheap smart home products. Yeah. Wise famously has very low costs for its products. We obviously know why. Yeah. But for some reason people are just willing to keep uh, willing to continue giving them money. It it boggles my mind. Well, I is it too late to even like change, right? Like they've they've developed as you're saying like a a reputation like can they even like how do you prove to people that no for real this time though we fixed it like well i, I mean ufi is owned by by anchor ufi yeah. had a massive security breach last year or was it 2 years ago now but they doubled down on it yeah eventually apologized for it i think people have largely forgotten about it it happens so often yeah that we just move on. Well, that that's the bigger problem, right? Is that like, I have a wise cam that is, it's really only used when we're out of town or whatever, partially for this reason. I can switch to a different brand. I can't guarantee that that brand is going to not have these same issues. Like I, I understand that wise has had this at least a couple of times now, but if I upgrade all my stuff to a more expensive brand, am I like, there's no guarantee that just because it's a more expensive brand, 
that is promising security. They all promise security. There's no guarantee that I'm going to not like have the same issue if I swap to I'm I'm honestly struggling to think of other brands. Um if I if I change all my stuff over to Ring, like Ring stick up cams, like Ring could have the same problem in 2 years, right? Like that's kind of the problem with these smart cameras in particular. Yeah, I mean, like Wise has had several breaches yeah, yes, to the point where big name publishers like Wirecutter are not recommending them anymore. Yeah. Anchor had this massive breach where well, it wasn't a breach, but their feeds were not encrypted the way that they promised they were. They were discovered to be open. Anybody with a URL could briefly just access another person's feed. They then doubled down on it, said that they were, in fact, encrypted, but they had a very small, like it was very technical what they said, but ultimately they lied and then eventually owned up to it, said that they would do better. This was early 2023. And Wirecutter is still recommending. I think even Android Police is still recommending Eufy cameras. I'm sure we are. I don't, I don't know, but it's just, it's tricky, right? If you remove Eufy, remove Wise, there's basically Ring and Arlo and Nest and a few other small players. And I don't know, most people should just buy cameras that have local storage. Yeah, that's probably the key. I mean, the the nice part about these cloud things that and I'm saying the obvious thing here is that you can check on your home while you're not there, right? Like, I think that is that's a big draw to it. But we don't have I'm at least on the two way audio one, which was the top one when I searched it. We actually don't have a Eufy one on here. We do have a Wise Cam though. So. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, we got to get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. All right. That's it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna end it ne- this week. Uh, next week you're gonna be in Barcelona for NWC. Hopefully, yes. A little tipsy at the very least. I I, I hope <laughs> to I hope to hear the clinking of some of some beer steins. I think we're recording Wednesday morning, so it, it might be more of a hungover vibe than a than a. Um, it's five a.m. somewhere. That's true. I'll just bring my I'll bring my Pixel everywhere that has a pretty decent recorder on it. I'll just record. Maybe <laughs> I'll just record when we're at when we're at after parties. I'll just. Why not? Yeah, just they, like you want to talk about you want to talk about honor. That's the future of <laughs> like podcasting. It's just recording on the go at various parties at yeah, MWC. Exactly. It might be that might you know could make for a good episode. It's guerrilla podcasting. We'll Let's do it. There we go. Okay. Uh, well, enjoy. Have, have a safe trip and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. All right. Well, uh, hope everybody enjoyed this week's show. Please let let us know how you feel about what we talked about today, podcast at androidpolice.com. What do you want to hear in this show? Who do you want us to have on the show? Send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks and yeah, uh, hope everybody else uh, has a good week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.